wow, I just want to take a moment to say how awesome this looks. You guys, this looks great, right? Oh, oh yeah. Um, this could not have been possible without the support of our patrons who month after month collect amazing content um, and support us monetarily. All of those fans that have shared our content and bought our products, you guys made this possible. Our level, we just like leveled up to level three. Level five, level five, level five, level ten, level ten. We went from we skipped levels two through eight and nine and went to ten because of XP. you. So thank you. Yes, bro. us from a trailer park to a cul-de-sac. So uh, <laughs> please let us know what you guys think uh, about the new setup. Um, hopefully our audio is nice and crisp. Uh, we've rewired everything, so hopefully it sounds a lot better. We got some new cables. I'm really excited. So let's get into it, you guys. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. <laughs> and we are coming to you live from the brand new Crit Academy Studios. Hoot! What the hell did you say? I don't know. Who did you say hoot? Hoot. Yeet. Hoot. Yeet. Whatever. We <laughs> hope to inspire you with creative content to bring with you on your next adventure. So... As, as we said, we got a whole new uh, studio. Hopefully you like the lights. A lot of work went into it. I also want to give a huge shout out to Wayne Media for redesigning our logo. Um, and Casey for uh, – Casey Beesk, what's his last name? Britsky for uh, being our interior decorator and telling me what to do um, and making everything look great. Um, it really has been phenomenal. It's been a lot of work, but now we're here. And we can't wait to show you awesomeness. Guy changed the entire room and you don't even know his last name. <laughs> uh, if you're interested, you can head, head on over to social me, our social media and check out some of the uh, more uh, more video or more footage and more pictures and stuff. So, all right, let's move into our main topic. Today we're going to be discussing the first browser-based 3D virtual tabletop for any role-playing games. Can we welcome our guests? Hey guys. <clears throat> hey, 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 welcome. We're so excited to have Jerry Holmes and Ron Gilbert for joining us, the creators of this amazing Scene Grinder 3D virtual tabletop. Um, I am super excited to uh, uh, talk about the main topic today. So before we get into it, do you guys want to give yourselves a little uh, introduction about who you are and kind of how um, uh, you came to creating this this program? Sure. Sure. All right. Good. I'll, I'll rattle first. Um, okay, so basically, uh, it's not just us. There's a whole team behind it. Um, we're all a bunch of lifetime gamers. We've been doing the, the corporate thing for decades, building big software and stuff, and finally decided, you know what? We're bored with COVID, so let's go ahead and go with the dream project. But <laughs> yeah. So it's it's uh, Jerry and I. Uh, Jim's another software developer. My brother, Steve, who's been in IT for... He's the older brother, so I, I can give his age, but... Mm -hmm. um since the 80s um, <laughs> that's okay and he uh also um going old school back to the 80s he used to work for west end games uh if anybody's ever heard of paranoia the rpg game he was one of the uh -huh. people that was involved in developing that writing some modules wow. that's um yep his wife tracy is an amazing artist um and then also we've got dina jerry's significant other that is a um marketing marketing expert yeah very fast. We, we kind of allow these other people to uh, call themselves developers, even though Ron is a project manager. We <laughs> uh, really know what he does. Really okay. Yeah. So uh, that's a really cool story. There's lots of uh, growth there. What a cool journey. Um, but we're here for Scene Grinder. So can yeah. you tell us kind of um, um, what is Scene Grinder beyond the kind of description we've already given? And, you know, how did it? Why, how did? Um, how does it really stand out from the rest of the virtual tabletop niche? Okay. Um, yeah, because <laughs> we looked at the market. And it's like, okay, yeah, there are a million different virtual tabletops out there. So um, we kind of had three goals with Scene Grinder going into it. Um, first one is it had to be dead easy to use. Sure. So that's why we went browser based. Um, got a really simple licensing thing. Um, and the other thing is, for easy to use, you got to support the game system rules. 
but we didn't want to do, we want to make that easy. So you don't need to be a programmer to add a game system to track all your character info and manage all the dice and modifiers. Um, it's pretty simple. If you can do like basic spreadsheet formulas, you can create mm -hmm. that organization through your system. Sure. Um, and so that was easy, easy use. And I'll yeah. let Jerry talk about immersion. Yeah, um, we decided to go 3D. Uh, not only we're browser-based, but we're 3D in the browser on the cell phones. Uh, and uh, it, our, our tenant on that is useful 3D. So we're talking uh, not just you know show 3D uh, blocks moving around and 3D characters, but uh, from a from a DM's perspective, I get to jump into the uh, to the perspective of the NPCs, look down from a wall, see that I can't see that uh, character over there behind those trees, but I can see that guy and I can see that guy, and there's my buddies over there still on the wall with me. Uh, that's from the DM yeah. side. And just to throw it, that's yeah. also you can throw yourself in first person too, and the GM can do that for right. all the players. Seeing that's pretty cool. We originally yeah. thought that was going to be a toy way back a couple of years ago. Just. <laughs> do but i use it all the time while i'm running my friday night games just to jump into the perspective of of an npc and see what they see and tell the story from their perspective make the decisions from their perspective is right. awesome um and the players yeah, I, do, I had a game group uh, well it was this group actually where where one pc got the high high ground on, a, on the top of a tower and he perched up there and was calling the shots to the rest of the game group because he could see where they all were. They couldn't see where they were. They were running through hedges and over walls. Uh, but he was directing the battle from the tower top uh, nice. using perspective. And that's just- That is so cool. That really because nice. that's, and when you play a, like a regular tabletop game, typically it's a top-down view and technically the players can see most everything. So that's having a, a virtual way that you can kind of limit that really is a, a powerful tool for when you want to uh, surprise the, 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 the player characters because mm -hmm. the players yeah. themselves don't know now and can't make yeah. decisions based on it. Because let's be honest, people metagame even if they don't mean to. It's, sure. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, uh, the program manages game system rules. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you expand more on how that works? Yeah, yeah. Um... Basically, we've got what we call a template where you define, you know, what makes up a character. You know, what are the attributes and what can they have, like spells and feats and stuff like that. And then you can have tables listing those things, and then you just basically link those together using, like I said, it's not spreadsheet formulas, but it's just like basic spreadsheet formulas. So, like if you're using Excel, it's like doing a, a VLOOKUP formula or an if statement or something like that. So, a little technical, but you know, nothing. You know, you don't need to be. A, I'm not a programmer. Um, but I can create templates for it. <laughs> um, and then once you do that, then when you're actually playing the game and they say, you know, I want to do my fireball, um, then the game system knows that, oh, okay, it's a fireball, 30-foot radius, it plops out a template, um, do a couple clicks, make the rolls, it'll roll the correct dice, um, and it basically handles everything for you. you. You're still in control, and you can still modify things as you want to. Um, but with those customizations, it just makes it really easy to play any game system. That is really yeah. cool. Does that mean that you technically programmed all the spells in D and D? Uh, kind of yes, but no. What 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 Singrainer does is we, we suck in we sucked in all the spells from the SRD, and they're in there because that's what sure. we can legally do. Uh, but as a as a dungeon master, you can extend that spell table with whatever you want. Make up your own stuff if you want to. That's awesome. Um, wow. And then, uh, you know, the same with all the rules, the same with that base core template. You can go in and tinker with it and make it do whatever you want to do. But we're, for fifth edition, uh, we start to it. have multiple swear, like, right? settings for different systems very easy. Uh, uh, yeah. Which settings? Like, um, <laughs> if I, so if I'm playing 5e one day and now I want to play Fate, um, is there like a, a switch to jump between the game systems? Yeah, what we do is embedded into one, and you kind of got to pick and choose what you use. Yeah, no, it's no, you can, um, and we've done that before because we we did when we were testing different systems. Fate was one of the ones that we were testing along with with Five E. Um, at any time, you can pull in, go into the scene grinder, and pull in another rule set, and then for a character, you can just flip which rule set that that character is using. You can even oh. have different game systems in the exact same scene simultaneously. Hmm. Why yeah, you want to do that? I'm not sure. We use it for testing, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. 
Right. And since uh, seeing Grand is in 3D, how do you guys go about including monsters? And when obviously with a normal VTT, you just create tokens. What does Scene Grinder offer in that regard? Uh, both, in fact. Uh, we're working real hard. Um, in fact, that's what we're using a lot of the Kickstarter resources for, is to build up a library of 3D versions of all the standard monsters you come to love and expect. Um, then we allow Dungeon Masters to import anything 3D-wise they can build or find as well, and we're constantly adding to that. Um, we also support collapsing into 2D mode. So you can run Scene Grinder, Scene Grinder new product, Scene Grinder, <laughs> as if it was a more traditional tabletop, 2D tabletop, uh, in total 2D mode if you want to. Um, and if you don't have a 3D model for a monster, it, it you can put in a stand-in token, or you can show just the 2D token representation for it. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah. is there any... Uh, plans. I know uh, uh, before the show we had talked briefly about expansions. Is there a, a hope to like allow some sort of easy monster like creator? I, I now, when I'm th I'm thinking uh, <laughs> like something like Hero Forge or where you just pick like parts and you make something. Was that something that could be uh, in the future of this this potential program? If, uh, yeah, yes. yeah. It's yeah. pretty. It's 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 coming yeah. up on a roadmap. Um, yeah, it's not the initial it. release. Yeah, but it's right, right. yeah. And yeah, I like that that integrating that on your roadmap because that means you're already thinking ahead of what oh, you're yeah. going to want to yeah. do, which means uh, we as consumers can plan on it being more than just what's coming out with the, the, the Kickstarter, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, right. And we have a question from chat. Um, oh, yeah. Does it work for mobile browsers or just desktop only? Uh, both. both. It's both. So, it's both. <laughs> so does that – so? Um, do people need newer phones to run good, run the full 3D or is it going to, how does it respond? I mean, cause a lot of people have a variety of aged phones. So like right. how far back does that go before I can't, won't be able to utilize it? Sure. For, uh, weaker devices, you would have to tone down your optimization, your, your visual settings, uh, maybe render things in less detail. And for really old devices, we can, we call it pancake mode, 2D world. Uh, you can collapse everything down into just 2D and you still get all your perspective that you would expect to get. Your walls are blocked out. You can't, you can't see what you're not supposed to see, but for, for those kind of devices, we go all the way down to pretty much 2D. Yeah. So that's point. pretty cool. So if mm -hmm. I'm understanding this right, the different, the different players can have different perspectives mm -hmm. or does the DM or GM have to say, okay, uh, Billy's got a crappy, phone and a crappy laptop so we're gonna have to play in flat mode so that he can use it or is it just it can be turned on and off individually per player? individually each player can can create that setting now we'll be on it this is in our alpha stage right now we haven't quite worked out whether those people seeing it in 3d have any kind of advantage player wise over in 2d but that can be smoothed over by the gm uh if oh, necessary sure. but there's some little edge cases like that but for the most part it's individual settings yeah, and that's that one of the things awesome. that we do is um, we don't restrict what people do with their scenes. So if you want to come out and, and get these, you know, absolutely phenomenal models for your scene that, you know, video, video game quality, um, because, you know, you've got my gaming laptop or something like that to play with, you can do that. Um, but then if you've got a player that's got a three-year-old phone, they'll just see the world differently. Sure. That's cool. I think that's really cool. Um, so... Uh... There's something that really interests me in the and your your Kickstarter and all your comments. Um, the the auto targeting AOE. Am I understanding that it's no longer you have to you know place your cones? It kind of knows based on your token location. Is that correct? Well, what we'll do is um, we'll default it based on where you're facing. Uh, okay. You know that that's where it's normally going to be. Um, but then it's real quick to just you know shift it around a little bit if you need to um and then basically once you do that you just you got it where you, get, where you want it you click a button it targets everything underneath it click another button do the die roll with you know the correct dice and um then it goes off to the gm and yeah. then yeah and, and the gm gets gets to see everything in that area in, in that uh aoe and approve or disapprove even have everybody roll saving throws, dexterity checks, whatever, to get into or out of the effect or half damage or whatever. And then you click apply and it's all applied to the appropriate NPCs or whatever's in the area effect uh, and you're good to go. It, so it makes large battles 
much nicer. <laughs> yeah. And so if you've got an AOE that does like a status effect, um, is there like icon tracking and, and stuff like that? Like you can put little status, uh, status icons. Like, or oh, anything? This, this guy's poisoned. And the, the reason this, I this ask is darkness. because you've got, <laughs> yeah. Cause you got this whole fancy, uh, uh, 3d system. Are you going to have one that's poison? It makes them flash green or anything like that. Uh, right now, uh, we're going as far as there are status effects listed on the character's avatars uh, that DM can easily glance down and see. And it's always shown for the player for, for whatever character or characters they're playing. Yep. Um, right now, it's just a it's a notification. The avatar we're exploring putting that effect on the actual 3D model. We're getting there. We're just not there yet. Yeah. I definitely like to I, I highly recommend uh, if you're watching this. Uh, I'm already in love with this uh, product, so I cannot, and after talking to you guys even, knowing that you have a roadmap of all these things you want to do as a, as, as a, a customer, that's huge because not only do I know what I'm getting now, but I can look forward to what I might be getting in the, the future. All right, what do you guys think? Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it by yeah, far. We... Now, it seems like, um, like many other virtual tabletops, it includes character sheets. Now, are mm -hmm. those customizable? Or are they good for every yeah uh, um you're in your your character sheet in our case is the view that represents all the data about your character and uh the 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 dungeon master who who either pulls in from the marketplace or shared version of of the rules in the first place gets one automatically and everybody uses that one but uh we're exploring player individual customization cool. um but for the most part yeah the the character sheets are completely customizable yeah, that's something that yeah. as a mm -hmm. player would be very appealing, I think, um, mm -hmm. because I know people already like to get, you know, doodle on their things and, and make them, you know, uh, unique. Ooh, Andrew just asked a really good question. Yeah. yeah, and we've also got stuff already where, like, you can jump, you can have hotkeys set up to jump to specific pages on the character sheet, so you don't have to drill down, you know, through things to get to that. You know, if you want to get straight to your spells, you can jump straight there and you know, just try to make it easy for everybody. And one of our users, Andrew, once again, asks, can you import your character sheet from, for 5e, for example, from D&D Beyond or any other source? It, it's not there in the alpha, uh, but it, but we'll, it'll, it'll be coming in sometime during the beta. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome, because a should, lot yeah. of people are, are getting into D&D Beyond, so um, sure. allowing them to import their resources is a, a good next step. Mm -hmm. uh, say, uh, Sartran wants to say that she loves that you made a mode for older tech. Um, it's appreciated, so you know, <laughs> maybe what nine out of ten games that I play on start playing. My players are always asking, Hey, uh, what can I bring my DD Beyond character onto here? I'm like, yep. yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, we get so, that all the time too, so we know we have to get that one in there, stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had somebody bring, bring in homebrew into mine. I was like, What is this? It's off of DD Wiki. DD Wiki is code for everything is broken. <laughs> what does meteor death spell i'm looking at <laughs> that's a cantrip what <laughs> my boss is dead already all right um uh so one of the features that you guys are uh, advertising is your world manager feature what can you tell our viewers about that um go for it. um yeah our world manager really is how you connect all the uh locations in the world um, it manages two things, how players can jump from location to location uh, in explore mode. And we'll, we'll talk about that shortly. Uh, but it's also all the handouts and information about any particular location from the world level all the way down into the various kingdoms, regions, countries, down and down, right on down to the dungeon level or, or encounter level. Uh, so you end up as you, as you build your campaign with a lot of information collated together. And it's just a really good organization system to keep that all together yeah and so as a gm you can approach it whichever way you work if you work top down where you like to have you know everything centralized when you play in your games you can do that um but if you'd like to do like we're running temple of elemental evil and jerry's the gm on it um he's got all the little bits of information for each room scattered out within each room um so you can do it however you however you want to do it and you know of course if you scatter it out then you can still view it at that high level if that makes um, sense. Yeah, I'm a I'm a, a big user of like World Anvil and now mm -hmm. Obsidian. So I'm excited mm -hmm. to see what um, how you guys how that turns out and it's fully integrated because 
Um, currently I use outside programs for all that stuff outside of like any virtual tabletop. So to have it all kind of into one, a one-stop shop place is, uh, super valuable as a DM where I don't got to have 20 tabs open, which I think is one of your promo less, uh, less time, uh, uh, less time, uh, doing paperwork, more time gaming. Right. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. That, that's the big thing too, is we, you know, we really want to do as much as possible within scene grinder so that people don't have to jump out to a whole bunch of different apps when they're trying to play their games. Sure. As an example, oh. uh, as a DM, you you click on an encounter, you click on a room, and it, it it'll drill drill down. If you have a PDF drive, like Temple of Elemental Evil, has a 146 page PDF that comes yeah. along with it. Who wants to try to find it? It brings you right to the page and right to the encounter, so you can read it off the original PDF. And you have your own notes in Scene Grinder as well. That's handy. That is that is really cool. Um, so. Um, you have a, a, a map editor built in, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Is that for 3D maps or uh, only uh, only 3D maps or does it include existing maps? Um, um, how does that, that work as uh, the GM? Yeah, you, uh, you can pull in existing maps. That's usually what we do is we just grab a 2D map off the internet and then you can modify it. But it is fully 3D. You can deform the terrain. You can create mountains. You can create oceans. Um, Walls, buildings, yep. yeah. Yep. Um, uh, the, the workflow, if you have an existing module, like what we're doing testing, for instance, is uh, we grab somebody's map off the internet that's usually out there for an older module. We take it, we lay it down, then we put all the 3D stuff over top of it and then delete the map. Um, or you can keep it there if you want. Yeah. Or you can start from scratch, either way. All right. Um, something that interests me um, that is really uh, uh, cool about uh, a good a good map maker, which are not, not all maps uh, map makers are created equal. The thing no. that uh, I think is interesting yeah. is um, is there any plan to include uh, some sort of uh, can you do like importing of existing assets like um, like because it's 3D, for instance, uh, I just got an app on my phone that lets me scan things and turn it into a 3D picture. Um, mm -hmm. Could I do that with like miniatures that I already have? Or if I got a really cool Lego set of a castle, can I can I get a 3D slice of that and, and, and include it into my um, mapping? Is that so, so a yes. service you're planning on offering or do offer already for it? Yes, you can uh, import any GLTF, GLTB, STL format from Alpha G Fine and if, for instance, Dang. I want to do it. Oh, What's that? That is awesome. You just yeah, opened so, up the yeah. whole world of awesome. I walked into a store in Atlanta and 3D scanned myself and surprised the testing group by having a 3D version of me walking around the world. It was a little creepy. It, it was very it, creepy. Oh, but, dude, uh, that is, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> that is amazing. That is groundbreaking right now because everyone that's bought 3D printers and has made their own files or, or downloaded files for 3D printing can now incorporate them. Um, even on like Hero Forge offers that, right? Yes, they yes. do. Okay. Huh. It's like MZ88 yeah. stuff's going to be much more popular again. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Kudos to whoever thought of that because that is genius. Yeah, right? Um, people actually scanning. <laughs> so we, we do run a clash of classes where we do player versus player. The idea of somebody getting an uh, STL or an SLT or whatever the 3D file is SEL. of themselves and literally having them dressed as wizards and so, wizards and fighters and duking it out. Oh, that's, oh man, you guys have just, uh, that's, that's, a, that's, that's next team. level. Yeah. Because I don't think there's any other T VTT that does that. No, no. I mean, Foundry does a lot, but I don't think that's one of them. So, wow, I am impressed. Color me tickled. That one, <laughs> I was already really excited, but now you just, like, took it up a huge notch. Right. There was the um, one you were talking about before, but I think that's just only just 3D stuff. Is, is, is what I'm reading in the chat actually what I'll I think it says? I was wondering that myself, too. Okay, <laughs> um, so I, I do have to, to – I have to – so – Really got Garwin excited. Yeah, so <laughs> we just uh, – Thanks, Garwin. Thank you, Garwin, for the amazing support. Um, all right, so moving on. I want. I'm gonna want that. Okay. All right. Let's go on. Uh, <laughs> I'm. I can't think straight now. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> <It's new. laughs> 
damn it, dude. <laughs> all the polls she did is you being mean to me. I'm going to hurt my feelings. Uh, all right, so what are some other groundbreaking concepts that you guys made? Because one that really, really got me excited, not nearly as much as the introduction of 3D, 3D models, but is the automating of buying and selling uh, for characters. Because I'll tell you what. Most people would argue that is the most boring part of any RPG. Not always, but generally the way it's played, it's relatively uneventful. So can yeah. you kind of touch a little bit on the automated buying and then maybe some other groundbreaking uh, concepts? I, I, I will say from having um, one of our, our non-current team members we played with for years and years that loved to spend an entire night just haggling over buying and selling gear. <laughs> it's like everybody else just sits around and does nothing. But, um, yeah, so automated NPCs. Mm -hmm. um, actually, do I feel this one, Jer? Yeah, I mean, this is actually the uh, flagship feature of one of, the, one of the other team members here. We all have things we love about this and we're all pushing for, and this is one of Steve Gilbert's. Um, and uh, he's made that a very real part of this project, where you can configure a shop owner to buy, sell, haggle, whatever inventory you assign to that particular shop um and deduct the appropriate coinage from the uh from the player character or if sell something add it back and all that um and uh, even dip in a little bit to haggling rules using skills on yes. the character uh and the the uh the npc that is uh, that's automated if it gets into some kind of trouble like the player character decides to stab it it can call for the jam um and then the, the action stops and the and the jam takes over at that point. So. Yeah. And, oh. you know, you'll be able to put rules in place, like, you know, elves get a 10% discount or something like that. Or if you get, you, you so can, cool. if you wanted to, you can get it, you can create your own factions and have faction discounts and stuff. It'll be pretty much what it, it's up to the GM, how far they want to take it. Um, and also it goes a lot farther than just buying and selling goods. Um, Cause okay. One thing, sync is available 24 seven, you know, GMs can always turn it off if they want to, but like, if you want to, turn on set up some like midweek stuff for your players to do like maybe they just hit a new town at the end of the game last friday and so you want to kind of introduce them to the town you can scatter some npcs around the town with clues about what's going on in the town and then you can just tell your players okay you know on wednesday night you can log in for a few hours and wander around the town and talk to npcs and try and figure things out and then when we start playing on friday you know you'll know what the town's like or maybe you'll find some quests for for you guys to do well there's always that base town near the dungeon that or, yeah. or whatever you know the dm can just open that up the pcs can go anywhere without the dm even having to log in at that point point. and again if something bad happens the action stops the, the, yep. the dm is notified and can pick up when it with it whenever they want to so yeah yep and it can and you can even let them go from scene to scene if you want to so like you've got a town scene and then you've got like a special scene within it for maybe the favorite tavern or something like that you can just let the pcs in between game sessions just wander around those different scenes and see what they can find what do you guys think about that that's handy very handy <laughs> like what are what are some uh, what are some unique uses you can get out because the first thing that jumps out of my mind they mentioned the, the faction discounts and stuff i like the idea of offering like a special an item that's only available to say somebody that speaks thieves can't yeah or um, exactly. somebody that yeah. is part of a specific faction or group or mm -hmm. uh, um background maybe in general right like the criminals get a special uh, five finger discount on anybody that walks by or something like that. I don't know. I'm 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 just brainstorming ideas, but I'd like the I like that idea because yep. not only can I uh, just automate a lot of the more annoying things, mm -hmm. but it makes it more engaging and easily to predict uh, rewards for the players that have these different things, like criminal background or acolyte or whatever sailor background hey you're a sailor just so you know i just got this new anchor in it also doubles <laughs> as a axe i don't know but, <laughs> but something well whatever yeah so um and that's kind of what i'm that's what i'm loving about this and the fact that it's going to um going to continue to to grow and um evolve is something i'm personally very excited for um so I guess is there 
Um, before we uh, uh, move to the end, what are there any things you guys wanted to talk about now that we've kind of asked some of our questions or if you guys got some specific questions you want to ask? Um, well, um, I mean, we are one of the nice things about Scene Grinder is, is not only it is, is it a virtual tabletop, um, it is also a platform. It is a, it is a content platform. Um, <clears throat> so one of the uh, the features that we're pulling in uh, shortly onto our onto our roadmap is its ability to um, be a content publishing mechanism, where you push a button and the entire campaign that you've laid out gets turned into a PDF format um, or a or a, um, a self-hosted static website of some kind that you can use in other venues other than SyncRender. Uh, which kind of fits in with our with our philosophy of let's not be insular with other tabletops. Uh, let's try to be as inclusive as possible. So right. if you want to scene grinder to create cool maps, um, print them out, um, organize your content, put it in a PDF, use it in other systems, go for it. So there's a really great question that just showed up. Um, mm -hmm. Could you... Um, when this 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 scene grinder is running, um, is it something that the players can jump in at any point, um, whether or not the GM is there? Like, if can you just jump into the map? Because Andrew talks about having like a pre-session town wandering. Um, yes, just... <laughs> he gets it. He gets it. You get the prize. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. As long as the GM is given permission to do that. You know, Dungeon Master allows the character to go through certain doors or not, or to jump to certain scenes or not. As long as the DM has set that up, then yes, that is exactly that is what we're awesome. mm -hmm. It's like, all right, guys, just so you know, um, I'm not shopping, so the town is open. You have until next week to buy stuff. If you don't buy anything, too bad. <laughs> and if yes, uh, exactly. the player does yep. something wrong, yep. the DM gets a ping saying, hey, the game needs your attention for a moment. <laughs> Oh, that a great that's a great one. Uh Brandon just tried to pilfer something from the uh the the town market. Um you should know that the magistrate has him naked and is torturing him in a dungeon at the moment. <laughs> yeah, he'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> so it ends on why. Got it. <laughs> the thing I love about this, first of all, I love that you're so inclusive of all the different variety of game types. Um, especially with uh, Spelljammer releasing soon. Mm -hmm. I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. I saw some uh, details on um, space, sci-fi style material. Yep. Yes. So yeah, that to me um, is really great because um, the idea of having a giant 3D ship battle um, just sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been monitoring our uh, Discord server? Because yeah, we've been yeah. having a lot of those discussions there about about ship battles. If uh, if we don't properly support sci-fi and all that comes along with it, I'm pretty sure some of these guys will hunt us down and kill us. So um, <laughs> yeah, we're doing that. Make sure uh, sea battles, major battles, uh, aerial oh. battles, um, sci-fi uh, sci content. You know, ships, modern stuff inside of sci-fi ships. You know, uh, a starship, Avengers inside of them, stuff like that. Yep, all there. All, 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 all there. Sounds amazing. Yep. And it's so. All right. So, uh, and the, yes, and the project's funded already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You're 300% funded, if I'm not mistaken, and growing, yep. right? How many days yep. left? Still like 20 days or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Got some time. So, I'm excited. Hoping the 17 yeah. days. So, um, before we close out here, we're actually going to show everyone this really great Kickstarter video that you, uh, you put together. Yeet. Welcome to Scene Grinder, the only virtual tabletop that gives you the choice of using traditional 2D maps or going completely immersive with a 3D experience for you and your players. And we do this entirely in your web browser, either on your desktop or your mobile device. Supporting any gaming system, Scene Grinder lets you manage all D&D editions. Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, Fate, or any campaign you can imagine or create. Regardless of how large or small, combat encounters are a cinch. Keep track of turns, rounds, and never forget that player's held action again. Scene Grinder even auto-targets based on area effects, applying appropriate damage and modifiers. Scene Grinder. The dawn of a new age in virtual tabletops. More gaming, less work. That's the one. I love that line. And we have, <laughs> we have some like 50 some odd videos out there on the YouTube channel uh, demonstrating oh, yeah. all kinds of features and 
So yeah, definitely check them out. It really, you guys do a lot of the in delve, like how to create things, and um, yeah. I think that some of them are really cool. Um, so uh, before we uh, close out of our main topic here, what? And that's a good. Oh damn! It is VR is absolutely on our roadmap. Yep. Yes. Uh, augmented reality. Yes. Pulsing on your you table. And AR. Project manager. Uh, say not, not initially. But not initially, that's okay. It's on the roadmap, <laughs> so that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sergeant does say the product sounds amazing. Thanks so much for bringing on the show. <laughs> I had this. That's what we do here at Crit Academy. We only show you guys stuff that's awesome. We show it's worth it, except for my face, apparently, Ian. <laughs> Anyways, so before we close out, you guys want to give yourself uh, in Scene Grinder one more plug? Sure. Yeah. Go to the Kickstarter. Support us. Give us love. And if you have yes. any, any questions about what it does or how it does it, go to our YouTube page. Check out the dev blog video playlist. Uh, lots of good stuff there. Yep. So, <laughs> Two words. And, uh, and our Discord. Jump into Discord. Yes. Great discussions. Yes, join the Discord. Discord. I'll be yeah. joining into that uh, yeah. uh, soon. So I'm really excited for this. Like I said, I, I'm so glad to see the success you guys have uh, um, uh, gained. Sorry, I'm getting cold. Um, if you're listening to this in the future um, or before the Kickstarter ends, um, go to rebrand.ly slash scenegrinder, um, back it today, or once it launches, if they have a pre-order button, make sure to press that. So hey. uh, we want to take a moment and say thank you guys for joining us today. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. We did. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank, thank yeah. you very much. It was awesome. You guys have really put a lot of love and a lot of work into this, and I'm excited to see where it's going to be in a year or okay. two years. <laughs> and go my garlands comments. You guys uh, definitely earned that one hour on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently, we earned you. Uh, what's that say? A thousand bucks. A thousand bucks. So nice. Oh, cool. Well, well, way to go, go Garland. Yeah, some dedication. <laughs> oh, and Sartre wow. just packed it, so you're already getting some support. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Yep. We Thanks, will, uh, we'll send, send you guys off with a wave. Thanks again for joining us and can't wait to talk to you later. And now what you've all been waiting for, our unearthed tips and tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Uh, I am really excited to talk about our newest monster, the Fell Wolf. Ian, do you want to introduce everyone about this fantastic monstrosity? Why, yes. With the Fell Wolf, you're going to start with the Assassin. And the features are going to change slash lose are you're going to swap your strength and dex score. You're going to lose evasion, assassinate, light crossbow, acrobatics, which you're changing to athletic proficiency. Mm -hmm. But you, of course, are getting a lot of stuff in return. First and foremost, you gain immunity to any bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from either non-magical attacks that are not silvered. You gain keen hearing and smell, which gives you advantage on perception checks that rely on, well, those senses. Mm -hmm. And you also gain the, the, the shape changer feature, which allows you the Velwell to, as an action, pop into a large wolf-humanoid hybrid or into a large winter wolf, which... Well, using crack damage to have cold damage. Yep. Or back into its wear form. Its stats, other than its size and AC, are the same in each form. That said, any equipment that it is wearing or carrying isn't transformed, and it reverts back to its true form when it dies. We're also gonna give it the undead fortitude, which means when it goes to zero, <laughs> it has a chance to stop at one hit point, which is devastating. Because in one of the, one of the uh, games I ran, that triggered, and the creature survived for like three more rounds. Because of undead fortitude. I don't care how weak it seems, that is such a great ability. I'm actually amazed more undead don't have that. Wait, wait, right? wait, 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 wait. Undead fortitude stacks? It, there's no limit. You just, every time it takes a hit, it gets a DC and the DC goes up. But you still have to roll. So as long as the roll is high enough, the dang thing doesn't want to die. And it is so much fun describing that, like ripping off its jaw and an arm coming off as you're beating it and, and all this stuff. Just It's barely just hobbling along trying to beat you with an elbow. Yeah. I still remember one game where a, the players managed to take the fight down to one zombie, but that zombie would not die for five rounds. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of exactly what it, uh, is going on here. Uh, Brandon, do you want to tell us about uh, one of the... Uh, reaction? 
it's one of its act it's action that we're giving it. The action you're giving it. Mm -hmm. Draining bite. It's plus six to hit for each of five feet to on one creature. On hit it does twelve damage, which is necrotic. And well two D six plus five, but yeah. Or two D six plus five. It nah, doesn't nah, nah. matter. Unless the target is immune <laughs> to necrotic damage, its strength score is reduced by one D four. One D four. Target dies and the strength is reduced down to zero. Yes. yes. <laughs> you're an a hole. I am. <laughs> Otherwise, the reduction lasts until the target finishes a short or long rest. Target is humanoid. It must succeed on a DC 15 con save or be cursed with the werewolf lycanthropy. Yes. The problem I always find with that, though, is let's be real here. How many places we have? going, bite me, bite! <laughs> well, Am then I they wrong? become NPCs. Yeah, but then they become NPCs. Like, okay. It depends. Do they, then me. they become, you become NPCs. An NPC, you're dead. Go by. You're dead. I turn against everyone. Um, so lastly, we're going to give it the, uh, reaction, uh, unbridled, uh, fury, which in response to being hit, uh, by a melee attack, you just drop my game boy. Yes. <laughs> in response to being hit by a melee attack, the fell wolf can make one draining bite or a short sword attack with advantage against an attacker. Retaliation. Yes. Yep. And it is brutal if you are attacked by a thing that can infect you with lycanthropy. Bless you. What do you guys think about this? Uh, I think it's devastatingly horrible. It's meant to be. What do you think of the name? It does sound dangerous. I went through like ten different names trying to come up with Fellwolf. Fellwolf. Where'd you get Fell from? Shadowfell. Oh. Which isn't actually a, an undead place, but that's where ghosts are sometimes, so... Anyways, this is a lot of fun. This is a really fun monster. It's meant to be dangerous. It's meant to be scary. It forces, with unbridled fury, it forces the players not to avoid a direct melee encounter. Yep. Because it gets to counterattack with advantage. Um, and that's devastating. So, all right. Uh, I think that'll do it for our monster. Brandon, would you like to tell us about our encounter today? Uh, the encounter is a bone to pick. A bone to pick is that there's a craftsman, Daldra Fennell. He's seeking aid for a unique set of bones to make some special armor. Absolutely. And I believe the bones are supposed to be as hard as adamantine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's very, yes. uh, there's a reason for that. And regardless of how many adventurers bring him his uh, reagents, regents, however you say that word. There's an A in it, so I'm going to say reagents. Reagent. Uh, they never seem to bring him the bone that he needs. So he sends the players to this uh this place. Uh, where exactly does he send them? Wherever you decide. Where, wherever you just wherever you decide. Uh, they send they send them to a corrupt temple, a boneyard, graveyard. It could be at the bottom of the ocean if it breathes, maybe. But it yeah. it's a bone naga. That's what it's made of. Bone bone. That's yeah. It. <laughs> bone. It, it sends they go after bone naga. But uh a character what? that succeeds on a DC sixteen Religion check. Uh, recalls learning that Bonaga tend to inhabit corrupted temples and graveyards. That's that sounds got familiar. That yeah. <laughs> a character that succeeds on a DC 21 Arcana check recalls that Bonagas are able to read minds and use the, these to determine strengths and weaknesses of their prey. I like that. So, now, what makes this adventure interesting is that the Bonaga itself isn't actually above <laughs> making a deal. Um... What makes this encounter interesting is Bone Nagas are intelligent creatures. Yeah. They got like an intelligence of 12. So um, the characters obviously are going to assume that they have to what? Kill it. Kill it. But when they wander into it and it's slithering around and um, it communicates with them, it, we're going to give the players an opportunity to maybe come to an agreement. Right? So if they're willing to um, uh, help it, and this totally was based off of the old lion with the thorn in the paw, right? Yep. Uh, a lot of adventurers have come seeking this bone naga, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to kill it so they can get this cool armor. So it's all damaged and broken. So if the characters use some sort of ability, what, what would be a good ability, you think, if this thing's all battered and bruised and, and its bones are broken, that it might ask for help? 
Well, at the very least, if we can some way cure spell or healing magic, but he gets some arguments for mending as well, if the DM allows it, which I can understand they don't, to be fair. I know? would have considered that, except for the Naga has access to mending, so. And it's, well, not an object, so. Right. Well, um, I think uh, uh, regeneration would be a really good one. Regenerate. Yep. yep. Um, or uh, lesser restoration, maybe. But anyways, um, the Naga, if they're willing to heal it, will give him access to his... Uh, as many bones as they want that is, are broken and laying around in its area from all the adventures that keep kicking us butt. Or trying to, anyway. Yep. I guess some of those bones might be adventurer bones. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about this? Uh, I like the, the twist of the end. The, the saying, oh, the, all adventures are going to assume, oh, we got to kill it, we got to kill it. And, yeah, that's not the case at all. Yeah, and there's actually a benefit if they reason with it or uh, come to negotiations. What is it? They can collect enough bones for not one, but two sets of armor. One for the Order, and potentially one for the party. And I think that is a really great way, if you're watching this as a DM, to encourage your players not to just kill everything. Offer them bonus rewards for solutions that are not about just, you know, violence. Man, that really is very anti-D&D to me. But <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's like the, the default option for everything. Right. What, what are the, uh, it's fun. What are the stats for adamantine armor? Um, no, you can't crit. No, you don't get crit. Hits don't crit you with adamantine armor. Oh. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Which is why I thought it was a good way to, to approach it. Yep. Somebody who uses non-violent approach gets a reward for that reduces <laughs> violence on them. Um, Garwood says three players just fought 11 lions because they saw them relaxing nearby and there were dead humanoids nearby and they wanted to loot them. <laughs> also, speaking of chat, Sartine, yeah, that, thanks. The color scheme looks great. It's, it's really pretty in here. We do miss being elbow to elbow. Sort of. At all. This is far more comfortable, gonna be honest. Though I am upset that I can't wear my, uh, pajamas. Yeah, I miss, yeah. I miss you. <laughs> okay. You're so far away. Okay. <laughs> and then she's like, what's well, something to probably from making that deal <coughs> then to end up not going to get a third or fourth set of armor? Um, why do you got to be like that, dude? <laughs> well, no. Okay, so I definitely can see that. You could easily have the Naga just run away and then attack them while they're colluding and ambush them. A myriad of other things. But you're the GM. Come up with something. Come on. I'm just giving the setting. Uh, you just give per, me a per, I'll figure out how the rest of it Perhaps the Bonaga only has enough special bone to make the armor you're looking for. Ooh, maybe it's only their ribs or something. Like like, it, like in, in a... Maybe their spine? Skull? Blade 3 or Blade 2. Uh, there was the vampires that had, like, bone... We don't talk about Blade 3. Shut up. But they have they have uh, bone-encased hearts, so they can't take stakes to the heart. So two. Special, that was two? Yeah. Yeah. Good, because we don't talk about 3. What was wrong with 3? <laughs> it was horrible. What do you mean what was wrong with 3? There's nothing wrong with it. The only thing good about it was Ryan uh, Reynolds... And that's because the man is uh, a perfect, perfect, yeah. that perfectly chiseled abs, the nice arms. <laughs> what are you going to do when the, the what are you going to do in the war with the vampires? I don't see you at the local Y teaching sometimes. karate. <laughs> what are we talking about? I got disturbing fast. Uh, <laughs> what? I have a man crush on Ryan Reynolds. Every man is four percent gay right? because of Ryan Reynolds. Oh, man. Well, you got to start talking. You got to bring your voice down. <laughs> no. <slowly>. <laughs> 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 All okay. right, that'll do it for our encounter. Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item today? This is so cool. Isn't it? This yeah. is an awesome idea. Yep. The magic item for today, brought to us by Starfleet 42, is the Peephole Ring, which is uncommon. It is a plain silver band with an image of an open eye that appears to be a similar inside the otherwise opaque surface. The ring grants no benefit or effect for wearing it, but must be removed if it gets the surface to function. When placed on a wall or similar surface, it allows the loser to look through it as if it was a ring-sized hole through the wall. <laughs> Though, it only works on up to one f f feet of wood or six inches of stone. Any metal prevents it from, it from functioning, or if the wall is too thick. The peephole itself is an illusion, so objects can't pass through it. It gives off a faint aura of divination. You guys think about it. I thought this was awesome! And definitely, is... that Starfleet 42 has got to be like a 12-year-old. To think of something like yeah, this. as I say, this is perfect for the uh, the, the horny bar trope. Right, right. Just like, <laughs> what are you looking at? Nothing. Yep. None, yeah. Yep. Well, it's only handy for scouting ahead to the next room. Yeah, I think you could even expand upon this by allowing it to uh, making like a another ring that's for hearing, right? Where you just pin it up up to something with your ear and you can hear <laughs> sounds, right? 
I think it's really, really cool. Um, for me, this is one of those uncommon but interesting magical items that will come into play when you forget it exists. And it'll totally break something you've designed. Uh, guys, there are four giant hulking brutes on the other side of this. I don't think they can see me. We can hear you. <laughs> or, or, or what if they're, the party is sent to a specific location where they know that the fortress is it's, it's stone and wood. And it's like uh, the, war, the, the fighter has been here before. It's like, oh, I've been here before. I know what I'm doing. Uh, th there's, this is just straight wood. We can see through it. Like, okay. They take the ring, they look, look through it, they only see wood. And they start gathering their minds. Like, the ring's not working. It's because we're in an anti magic field. There's something beyond this door that's going to hurt us. Uh, so we're just going to go this way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Rogue, we don't like you. You keep stealing from us. Why don't you go in first? <laughs> um, all right. So I think it's really interesting. A fun magic item. It's uncommon, weak enough that you can include it in all your games without it impacting too much. Um, I think that'll do it for our uh, <laughs> magic item today. Uh, we're going to talk about our Dungeon Master tip. Play to each player's goals. When running an adventure, or more specifically, a campaign, know what drives your players. Know what motivates their characters. Um, though it's worth noting that the former is probably more potent than the latter. Um, as a DM, use the information that um we uh to get to get the player use the information to get the players and their characters to do what you want no i'm not talking about casting charm person uh, a great example is if the characters are heading out of a dungeon and you know that the wizard is a sucker for exploration and lore well a simple perception check on the way out might be used to catch the wizard's attention um uh, the, the the unique information doesn't necessarily have to have a value at that moment we always try to do these quick rewards right but this can be a using a powerful tool to lead into the character gaining knowledge um and insight that'll be valuable at a much later time more interesting than simply just rolling a knowledge check when the time comes i think especially if the player themselves remembers it so a really great example is maybe you go into a a uh you're in a temple to uh I don't know, uh, a temple of the cultists of blood trolls or something. And so on the way out, the player, ha the character happens to notice some etchings of the blood troll underneath the sun on one picture and under the moon on the other one. And under the moon, its flesh is all distorted and everything. But under the sun, it looks like it's empowered. So that could be a uh, clue to the fact that when they're in light, they're very strong, but they have weakness to uh, moonlight or something like that. I just made that up off the top of my tongue, but that's the first thing that I that's thought. That's pretty of. badass. Because now you get, it up like that. and they may not, may or may not run into this thing later. But that little clue could be something that, that will be really exciting, and you've imparted that particular information to them. So when that event comes, it's not meta knowledge anymore. It's what? It's character knowledge. Character knowledge, and you've put that out in front of them. What do you think, Ian? Looks like there's a little bit more too. Yeah, it's not important. Ah. <laughs> Get... <laughs> the first, what actually came to mind when I read through this tip was you remember the whole five room dungeon setup, right? Yep. Yeah. When we changed it to the five player dungeon setup. Ooh. So each each part of the dungeon attacks a part of the character or player's motivations. Yep. Oh my God, you're a genius. Everyone give him a genius award. That is that, that nice. is worth a golf clap. Yep, that's uh -huh. that's really good. Because I've definitely uh -huh. had multiple DMs say, well, you know, we have to kill something, so guys, here's your combat card for today. Yeah, <laughs> I do that all the time. I do that. Not just you. <laughs> <laughs> I, and not, that's not a bad thing, but, be, dude, we need, to write a, we need to write that up somewhere. Oh, we did. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, uh, all right, so under and, and honestly, Ian gets it. Understanding what drives your characters allows us to direct, uh, gives us a direct voice of the characters, which is perfect. And I don't know that I can top what Ian just said. So uh, <laughs> I'm blown away. Where where was this knowledge previously? Up in your noggin, Ian, waiting to come out at the right moment. We need to give him a little little talking, right and when time. he just gets an idea, he just talks right in. Well, oh, like a phone. Well, there's no problem. I don't come up with ideas. I just make ideas better. <laughs> 
Fair enough. He um, just bashed your five room dungeon shit. <laughs> like oh, I took your five room dungeon, made a better bitch. <laughs> um, John four, we're not serious. We, I don't think. <laughs> f the f the, the the five dungeon five player room it is now. Let's do it. All right, I'm gonna have to write a blog about that now. I like the five room dungeon though. Yeah, I'm gonna write a blog about that. I mean, it's, it's the same kind of thing anyway. So. Yeah, but I honestly, I think it's better. Or a mesh of the two is perfect. Yeah. The first, you know, having a dungeon where you have a guardian, that guardian has to be tied to something that motivates one. Oh, its eyes are made of rubies. Ho ho ho! Abu is gonna Abu is gonna love that. Okay. Which one was monkey? It was Abu right? Yep. Okay. Apu was the Cookie Mart guy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I get him mixed up. So Abu gets in trouble by what? A I giant stone statue with a giant eyes made of rubies. So that's that you no, can tie. It, the, that can, whatever. <laughs> Why do you gotta correct me like that, man? I was on to something. Well, You're it, like, it, bam! Like a giant. Like, didn't it have ruby eyes? Probably. And it was holding a giant ruby? Oh, maybe it had smaller ones. Or maybe we think of the uh, the cover for the first D&D Player's Handbook. I don't Because they had ruby eyes. <laughs> Either way, I think it's a genius idea, and um, I'd like it stricken from the record that it came from Ian, because the intro video was him just insulting me the whole time. So, <laughs> all right, let's go and ahead. Yet you were laughing. Yeah, I know, because it was <laughs> funny. All right, let's move on to our yeah. player tip of the podcast, Grave Mastermind. Whoa, what? What? Where's the don't be a dick part? <laughs> we're, we're not taking that out, are we? I'll quit. I'll fucking leave. I mean, have you seen it last couple dozen player tips? <laughs> Moving on to our player tip. Don't, Don't be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by playing a grave mastermind. That's why she wanted to do it, because she wanted to be part of it. <laughs> and the reason why you're not being a dick is because it's helped you be a team player. If you don't know, being able to stabilize a character from 30 feet away with Spare the Dying is awesome. If you're a great player. I'm getting that. <laughs> it needs context. I'm get, dude, they'll get the context. If you're a grave cleric, you can cast it 30 feet away, which is awesome. Because basically you can just pop unconscious characters up left and right, which is awesome. Additionally, when a creature drops to zero hit points as a grave cleric, which I was getting to, um, you can gain the maximum benefit of a healing spell. So not only can you, bam, wake them up, but you can... Give them some words of encouragement and maximize it, which is awesome. Rub some dirt on it. Huh? Rub some dirt on it. Yeah. <laughs> Rub some dirt in it. You'll be fine. Walk it off. Put some dirt in your eye. <laughs> this, is, this is already pretty cool and pretty powerful. But when it, com- uh, when, when it comes to helping allies, we can do better. This in and of itself doesn't have any really offensive capabilities, which is its own kind of issue. But the cleric can also use their channel divinity to curse a target until the end of their next turn. This gives them vulnerability. What does vulnerability do? Double damage. Double damage. I didn't know that. Well, that's why you're here on the show now. Uh, you get, you're like the audience. They don't know either. You're learning with them. You're welcome. It's been so years. if you read the show notes in advance, you wouldn't be surprised and you would know. So <laughs> I listened to them on the way here. Then you knew about that. Actually, this is the one part of the show notes that I got confused on. Okay, well, I'm here to educate you. At the Crit Academy, that's what we do. Even the teachers need some instruction sometimes. Some more than others. I'm a teacher? That's what we are. Why do you think it's called Academy? Academy. You know what an academy is? A place of learning. I was thinking more like military. I don't know. Oh, I never even thought of that. It never crossed my mind. Military. Man. But still a place no, of learning. I was thinking anyway, still a place of learning, right? Anyway, so place back on point here. So, now, we... So, we've got... We can... Bring people up from unconsciousness. We can heal them for max healing. And now we can give an enemy a curse for taking double damage. Well, did you know that with the Master of Tactics uh, of the Rogue Mastermind, you can take the help action as a bonus action? Did you guys know that? Yes. Did you also know that you can do it at a range of 30 feet? Yes. Well, I'm glad somebody <laughs> knows everything around here. So... Did you know you can top off this buffing with the guidance cantrip? So, so cursing help guidance. Yes. So you curse the target that makes them vulnerable to the damage. 
you apply the help action to a target, which grants them advantage. Then you use – this is all in one turn, mind you. Then you use Guidance to give them a D4 bonus on top of the advantage they already have. And now when they hit, they are going to just tear into this thing. Yes. This is absolutely extremely conducive to a powerful support damage per round increase. You're just full of loopholes, aren't you? You know what? That, <laughs> you got a problem with my loopholes? Uh, are you in any of my games? No. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> That's brutal. You don't run games for me, man. It's because... Uh, because <laughs> It's because he doesn't love me as much as he used to. It's because I got nice shoes. And shift changes. <laughs> and shift changes. Yeah. Anyways, what do you guys think of this? It, it'd be dangerous. It is. Can I can I tell you, you can get this as early as, what, level one? What? Le or level, sorry, level four? Level five? Level five. Level four. <laughs> what level did the cleric get Channel Divinity? Like, Channel Divinity level two, isn't it? Level, yeah. level one. Level two, level one. Level two. See, I don't know everything. The point is, you can get it before level five, and you will become the ultimate support resurrector. Oh, Barbarian down, get back up. Barbarian down, get back up. Get the, barbarian down, get back up. I'll give me my... What's for the dying that dying does it stabilizes them. It doesn't bring them back to consciousness. Yeah, but you can heal them with healing word as a bonus action before. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a bonus action. Yeah. Spare the dying is a cantrip action. Yep. So wake them up, knock them down. Level two. We're, le we're level two. Level two. Thank you. She googled it. What are you? What are you letting the the the, the non D and D player outshine you like that? She's a laptop. It's faster than my phone. What's she there for? Maybe you need faster thumbs. You know she's the brains behind everything. Anyways, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. Oh, so yeah. overall, this is a pretty sick combo. I like it. Um. So yeah, level five because you get you take two levels into cleric and three levels into mastermind rogue. Um. And you will be an amazing, amazing support character, increasing other people's damage. Sure, you don't shine by doing more damage yourself, but who cares? When the rogue says how great damage it is, yeah, you're welcome. That's every response. <laughs> I mean, when you're dealing like, like 138 damage to Tiamat. <laughs> oh, you had to squeeze that in there, didn't you? Yes. He just fought Tiamat and was very happy that he got two crits as a rogue. Should I? Oh, yeah. Oh, we destroyed her. <laughs> Did you kill her? No. I contributed. <laughs> the paladin killed her. Yeah, see? I bet you if you had a grave cleric in there, you would. Uh, Andrew says... Uh, you know what you need? Uh, you won't need a faster phone for <laughs> scene grinder 3D. <laughs> that is perfect. Um, all right, you guys got any more things on this? It's, oh shit! Now it's all tip overall. So of course it is. <laughs> scene grinder works. I wrote so good. It works on a flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> What's that little dot? That's Billy. What about this one? That's the monster. They look the same. I just know he's over here and it's over there. Works on his like old. <laughs> Oh, no, he is. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. All right, so that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by being a team player. By being a team player. Wow, that just doesn't have the ring to it when we're not attacking the players directly. <laughs> but that's okay. All right, so that'll do it for our show today. Um, before we close out, as always, oh. we like to give away fat loot. Today we are giving away the Dark Tide of Damadan, thanks to our generous sponsors. Us. Us. Yes. The Dark Tide <laughs> of Damadan is an underwater rescue adventure where time is of the essence. Now, a mysterious disease has been killing off locals and visitors alike in the port town of Havensworth. While the adventurers are in town, ha uh, Havenward is attacked from the sea by nasty fish-headed creatures. Somebody gave, gave me a weird comment in the descriptions of that because I didn't call them Kuatoa. I was like, players, characters probably don't know what that is. They gotta learn. Anyways, after the battle, the characters learned that the creatures dragged several townsfolk out into the water, and they have been tasked with finding the captives and returning them safely. The only itsy-bitsy tiny problem, they were taken out into sea. Now, as the characters, underwater. yes, as an underwater, not on a boat, characters must delve into the depths of this underwater sea to rescue the captives. 
using the knowledge the cap of the captives to help locate one another in the labyrinth of the underwater keep. That's really good. All the while avoiding the sister Damodan's forest. Will the characters turn the tides in their favor, or will they swim with the fishes? Oh, sinister. Did you really put that pun in there? I, of course I did. I put a pun in there. Yeah. So, um, I, there's something I want to talk about this uh, this adventure real quick. In fact, it took you like two years it's to make difficult. it. Um, well, I got into <laughs> some anger hate by some people because it was written before the pandemic, but released during the pandemic, where it's talking about a disease spreading in town, and apparently I'm just a monster. You'll probably um, anything, though, But I'm just so. like, yeah, they do. I was like, whatever. But what I really think is cool about this, and it doesn't touch on it, is there's a time limit. And your characters can drown. The situation is such that they can't just fight all of the the monsters. They can't. They'll die. So it requires a little bit of a uh, very uh, Aquaman feel where you got to tell it, use talk with animals, talk with the critters, and, and learn. And it's a lot of fun. Also, the the there's a, the time limit means somebody running out of air, breathing underwater, so they drown. It's the worst kind of death. <laughs> Actually, I think the last time we we ran this, I ran our. Um, Druid circle of the river. It's a good one. Or I smile about the shark. Hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> the shark just talk. <laughs> okay. Really? Whatever being here at this castle. This is the weird thing. Good point. <laughs> yes, I really enjoyed that adventure. Um, all right, Brandon, who's our winner today? Our uh, winner today is Caitlin Hindley. Congratulations, Caitlin. If you enjoy the adventure, please leave a review. <laughs> if you didn't win, no problem. Head on over to CritAcademy.com for your and, and subscribe for your chance to win. If you enjoyed the show and you'd like to support us, um, visit us at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on social media. Leave us a review. Please go to the comment section and tell us how much you like our new design or tear it apart and tell us how horrible it is and I'll just delete it. <laughs> the blue looks like shit. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, all right. Uh, I think that'll do it. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. I forgot we do that together now. What do you guys think about this month? What are you watching? See, this is why you don't go to porn sites. There's random ads pop up. That was your video. Oh. <laughs> Wait, what, you didn't, what are you looking at my porn video right now for? You have porn on the internet?